0: Critic James Bernardinelli says that although this film wasn't the first movie to pair up a couple of wisecracking best friends in an action-adventure setting, this film became the model of how well that approach could work when done right. Letterboxd user Liam, spelled L-I-I-Y-A-M, says not a cell phone in sight, just people living in the moment. And about its prequel, Letterboxd user Cowboy Pink says... This is the messiest prequel I've ever seen, and I had a blast every minute watching it. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Reboot.
1: Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Rune Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Rune Childhoods. I'm Dan. How are you? Well, with me is John. (laughs) A few episodes ago, you were
0: like, oh, you know, I want to give, I want to like introduce you, you know, because I always kind of like hop
1: in. I, can I start over <laughs> no oh my goodness hi <laughs> full disclosure I'm tired <laughs> hey what are you gonna do uh no well what am I gonna do is is talk about butch in and the Sundance kid because I feel like that will wake me up and I gotta
0: say I we're, we'll we'll do a little bit of blobity blah, blah before we get into <coughs> the Hoosie-whatsies, But uh, all I gotta say, those are two guys who never get tired. For real, For they have real. some
1: stamina. Well, yes, and that is a point I definitely want to get back to. But- we'll get back to that. But first,
0: Dan, how's it going? How has your life been? Uh, have you had an opportunity to watch any movies aside from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid?
1: Um, uh, let me think about that. And of course, I have to think back to what I've been watching as I've been doing uh, other things. So uh, it's usually a smattering of random Uh, depending on what I'm in the mood for, you know what I've been working my way through on, uh, our, our sentimental favorite stars, uh, is a movie called talk to me. And it's, you know, based on the true story of Petey Green, who was an ex-convict that was hired as a DJ, uh, at a, um, Washington DC soul station. Huh? in the late sixties and he, he takes off. He's like an overnight sensation. He's, uh, you know, he says what's he's really, he's very open. Um, and it takes you through his career and how he goes from just being this, like, you know, really popular Washington DC area DJ. And then, um, the guy who I, I guess kind of like produced his show started managing him and getting him like booked in these stand-up gigs, and like he goes on the Tonight Show and just he speaks his mind, and huh. it's it's kind of like you know it's the story. I feel like you know we we hear the story of Richard Pryor but not yeah. as much P- Petey Green and you know and Richard Pryor's got an amazing story and I w- I've been watching some of his stand up uh-huh. recently just kind of going back and I I'd never really watched like any of his concert films and I was I was watching it and I was like oh this is Eddie Murphy Delirious before Eddie right. Murphy, delivered. I'm like, yeah. oh wow, like, and I, I mean, I love Eddie Murphy as a as a stand up comic. He had such an amazing energy. I possibly still could, um, but he, like, you, I was watching this Richard Pryor special, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's like, you know, two shades from from what Eddie's doing. Sure, you know, yeah, just a few years later. So, yeah. it, it, anyway. Um, those are the things that, that I've been watching, uh, t- you know, talk to me and of course, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. And, you know, you know Dan, uh, bef- yeah. I, I want to talk, you know,
0: you're, you're getting me thinking about, I uh, kind of those more classic stand-up comedy specials. And it just makes me think about how, and, and I don't know what year, um, what years the the Richard Pryor specials that you're thinking of were were those in the
1: later 70s? Uh, yeah, I think 80s? this one this one was late 70s. It was on yeah. Netflix. Well, you know, I'm just thinking because
0: I've definitely been mostly exposed to 80s and 90s stand up specials, and I feel like they had a a special quality to them that you that are very specific to the time that i feel like now there's so many stand-up specials that Mm. i feel like they all kind of blend together i mean you know there are certain ones that stand out a little bit more than some of the others but i don't know there's just something about you know you talk about delirious or even raw and they had these personalities uh and granted of course you know speaking about eddie murphy it's you know his personality is uh part of it part of who he was part of what these specials were you know <laughs> yeah. um of course people think you know they can remember exactly what he wore because it was so specific and uh, mm-hmm. i think a lot about some of the the, the stand up that i watched or listened to on cassettes growing up which was a lot of you know, your cassette tapes that I would borrow from like
1: Comic I, Relief and stuff like that. Yes, and I was yeah. just going to say, and I have, I need to find that. I forget which Comic Relief it was, but I think I could still recite some of the um, acts word for word. I think oh, I could still do Stephen Wright's act.
0: Stephen Wright's act. Well, I mean that one, it's oh, I way got fewer pulled over words. for
1: speeding. The officer said, didn't you read the... Sign on the speed didn't you read the speed limit sign? I said, I don't believe everything I read. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I, you know, that
0: for clear. him, it's Paula Poundstone yeah, was on that. Paula Poundstone, Dennis Miller, Dana you know, Carvey like, did chop and broccoli Carvey, on it. I'm pretty yep. sure there were so many amazing acts on there, and I think that's something that was so special about those uh comic relief specials is it's you know, shorter sets. And I think that there was something about that that made a lot of the bits more memorable um, as opposed to when you have like an hour special. And, and you know, going back to Eddie Murphy, I mean, people could recite, you know, those Eddie Murphy specials probably word for word and uh, probably, probably still
1: reference them to this day, maybe yeah. some more than others. Well, I had this conversation recently and with both Delirious and Raw, Like, yes, there's some of it that does not transition well to 2022. There is some of it that just it is dated and it's like this is not comedy anymore. But there's so much more in it that is great. In Delirious, when he does Elvis. uh, Oh, yeah. The whole... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Have him sing his dialogue. Yeah. Elvis, you want some lemonade? We're win this race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. See? It's, it's yeah, a trigger Yeah, exactly. right So,
0: right. But and, there's and, so
1: much of it. There's so much of it uh, that I think that that stands up and, it, pun, I guess, intended. that holds unavoidable. Holds up. Put, holds up. All right. There holds we go. Up, yeah. Well, yes. And it... uh It speaks, I think, I think it speaks to what I've heard a lot of comedians gripe about, which is like, oh, like, we can't be funny anymore. Oh. And it's like, well, no, you can't be funny at the expense of entire groups of people. And it's not that people weren't offended then. They just didn't feel like they could say anything.
0: Yeah, they weren't comfortable. Yeah, speaking up. Because there was not as uh, supportive of a <laughs> of a, a group of people, so right. I I think that uh, not to go off on a, a huge uh, any more of a huge thing about uh, stand up comedy and the style of, of different decades. When we're talking about when we're doing an episode that's about uh, an iconic <laughs> Western, Western in the late sixties, yeah. but uh, you know, I you were you were just. Talking about this this show that you're watching or mo- is it a movie or a show?
1: It was a uh, it, it's Richard Pryor live in concert. It oh, was the I was talking so you meant about talk to me. the talk yeah. to me. It is a movie. It stars uh, Don Cheadle as Petey Green. Oh, um, awesome! I yeah, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I I Great. don't know if I got that right. He plays. Pete, like the manager slash producer, uh, okay. uh, Martin Sheen is in it as the guy who, like, hmm. I don't know if he's like the station manager or just okay. or like the owner of the station. Um, he's in it. And I want to say Taraji P Henson okay. is in it. Uh, I just want to confirm. So I'm like, it's 2007. Yeah, yeah, it's Taraji P. Henson. Yeah, Great. Cedric the Entertainer has a part in it. Uh, oh wow! It is uh, and it's really powerful, and it, like takes you through, um, you know, like you're there with them when the news breaks of Martin Luther King's assassination, uh huh, and like riots in D.C. and how like PD- How this DJ stopped these riots. Hmm. Um and really like rallied rallied people together. So I highly recommend it and by the way directed by Cassie Lemons who uh we've talked about before and uh I don't believe we've we've covered any of her films. Um we've talked about her just kind of talking about her work and she is also in The Silence of the Lambs as um Clarice's right. friend. Um but yeah, she directed Harriet the uh Harriet Tubman movie that was out a couple oh, of years ago. Okay. Yeah, uh and also directed like a movie that we should well, definitely do, Eve's Bayou. I was just going to say Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou is fucking great.
0: Yeah, I I mean that we should we should totally talk about that. She also did a lot of television. It looks like Luke Cage Um, and is working on, I want to dance with somebody.
1: Interesting. Oh, is it the Whitney Houston movie? Nice. It'd be weird if it wasn't. Uh, Well, I, I, it it could be a movie. It could be one of those movies where it's like, we're going to take the title of a popular. Oh, yeah. Take me home tonight. You know? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't the Eddie Money story. But anyway. John, have you been watching anything recently? I feel like we've been talking about talk you to know, me for like I 10 watched,
0: minutes. You um, know, I watched last night. I just wanted to put something on uh, and I that I have seen before and that I uh, was like, I don't really remember too much about it. And I put on Michael Clayton. Oh. Yeah. Have I shared so my Michael that. Clayton story before? What's your Michael
1: Clayton story? Are, are we going to do a Michael Clayton episode? Should we save it for that? Um I I mean I don't know when we're going to do a Michael Clayton episode. I can I can I I can I might as well it now. No, no, no. no. You teed it up. Tell your Michael Clayton story. Yeah, I'll tell it now. No, so um back in uh I want to say this was early 2005. Um I was temping at the time in New York City and I had a 3 week temp position at the Hilton on 6th Avenue. Right where Michael Clayton was filming and they were filming various scenes in and around the hotel including uh-huh. like the scene uh towards the end when like Tilda Swinton is in yeah. the conference room and he comes in I haven't seen it in a long time but like I remember this it might have been early 2006 um I I forget but uh so they were filming and this was like I was working in the like in amenities. So I kind of just had to make sure that people like had things. I didn't like interact with right with anyone, really. But one day I was on like, lunch break and uh, they were filming a shot outside where it was just George Clooney crossing the street and. And walking like past the camera into the hotel. Okay. And I was like, eh, "I'll watch." And I kind of positioned myself. <laughs> and I got, you know, I got, I got good position. And yeah, Clooney walked like right past me, and he's like my height, and that.
0: How how does uh how does a George Clooney smell?
1: Uh, Does your memory go back that far? So good. Okay. Well, no. You know what I was just doing. You heard there was a silence there. I was having a recall of the waft as George Clooney. You gotta love the waft. Passed me, and it was like everything. Like you could with that from that smell, you could imagine the type of wallet he carried, and you know exactly the the shade uh of of brown that the of the leather and like where it was worn and you'd s- like that smell and it was just is everything you'd hope for and and then some Really well, so Dan. Speaking of
0: uh, speaking of wallets, uh, I th- I know two guys who would probably steal steal <laughs> George Clooney's wallet if they had a chance, and that's uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid.
1: Now you and I both know George Clooney would ride along with them, and it would be Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, and George Clooney, and George Clooney, and it's fabulous. I, I, okay, smell. I think that George
0: Clooney would get along great with uh, with Butch and Sundance. Probably largely due to the fact that he is, you know, at one of our generation's, like, equivalents to, like, a Paul Newman type.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. You and- know, the
0: kind of, like, the, the, the graying hair young in in their life, uh, you know, the, the, the charming uh, can kind of get away with anything with just a, a little bit of a smile kind of attitude.
1: And I feel like, and I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm a putting the cart before the horse or like blowing any spots here, but it it's the elephant in the room that George Clooney has collaborated so much, particularly on the oceans films with, with like this generation's Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who very much like, and, and like who very much, especially when you see like a river runs through it, which is narrated by Robert Redford and like Brad Pitt, very much looking like a young Robert Redford in it. It's impossible to ignore. So anyway, um, but Butch Cassidy (laughs) and the Sundance kid. Yeah. So uh,
0: yeah, we're, we're in uh, the late sixties here. We've got uh, two of the most, Attractive men to have ever lived <laughs> together. Uh, we've got Catherine Ross, uh, and and the three of them are just kind of tearing it up in a very non-conventional movie. Um, it's really not what you would expect from any type of western. It's uh, it's got just these great character moments, and i would got to say, like when when we in, are introduced to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid it tells you everything you need to know about these two guys and in such a fun way. And, uh, I, I had so much fun watching this movie and I'm not a real Western guy, but I think that that's because like, this wasn't like a cowboy movie. Um, it wasn't
1: a a buddy. It's it's, a buddy picture. It's a buddy picture. It's a buddy uh, picture.
0: Yeah, there was just something about it where it's like, you know, when we watched the good and the bad the good, the bad and the ugly, um, you know, that one is more traditional, you know, spaghetti western and it's like these mis- this mysterious guy. He's just like the man and you know, right. you're the tumbleweed. You just kind shit. of have to Yeah, you just have to kind of go along with it. Whereas this one they they bring you along with it. Like they get you in there and they get you to just like absolutely
1: root for these these bad guys, <laughs> these thieves. Right. Well, uh, yeah, you just can't help it. Any so, John, why don't you throw the synopsis out there, and then we will talk more about what makes this film so, like, wonderful and unique, and therefore really challenging to talk about in in terms of. Uh, Like the whole remake, reboot, sequel, prequel. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so here we go. This story begins long into the thieving lives of two outlaws, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Along with their gang, the Wild Bunch, Butch and Sundance were notorious bank and train robbers and had quite the reputation during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Seriously, this is based on a true story. After a train robbery went awry and the Union Pacific's militia catches them in the act robbing a train, Butch and Sundance, his entire gang, gets wiped out or chased away. While on a long-term chase, they pick up Sundance's girlfriend Etta, and make their way to Bolivia. They'd come back once they they'd come back once the heat died down and enlist in the army to fight the Spanish. While in Bolivia, they scratch some itches by robbing some banks and then attempt to go straight and get jobs. But when they end up in a violent situation that gets them recognized, it's just Butch and Sundance versus the Bolivian army. And that's all I got. I, I mean, I'm going to just run down to some of the cast. I mean, Paul Newman is Butch Cassidy. Robert Redford is a Sundance kid. Catherine Ross plays Etta. The three of them are kind of, you know, history's first Oh, kind of thruple. I mean, uh, Eda and uh, and Butch Cassidy don't exactly uh, have a relationship, but they clearly are uh, sh- they in sure love with each other. They sure do ride a bike together. They sure do ride a bike together. Um, but no, Eda had met uh, Sundance first, so she and Sundance are together. That's that's the deal with that. Um, we've got, uh, you know. The the other notable people that I should mention, Chloris Leachman has a role as a uh, as a sex worker, and uh, is very funny. And it was just one oh. of those situations where I was just like, "Oh my god, she has just always been Chloris Leachman. She's always been Chloris Leachman, <laughs> even like even yeah. in a role like this. Yes, yeah. Oh, she was so funny. Uh, yeah. And then uh, we have a a young Sam Elliott. In uh, in a role as a card player. So if, uh, if I
1: mean, yeah, if if you didn't believe that such a thing could exist and you thought that Sam Elliott was born at around 60 and just kind of like hovered between 60 and 75. I mean, this was his young second movie. He was in The Way
0: West uh, in an uncredited role. Um, but then, yeah, here we go. Butch Cassidy <laughs> and the Sundance Kid just as card player number two. And, uh, yeah, you know, aside from that, Dan, I don't know if there was anybody else in the cast that um, you were familiar with. Uh, I could say that there were a lot of people in the cast that I thought were uh, oh. quite quite fantastic. I mean, I loved uh, Henry Jones as the bike salesman and uh, Jeff he's, Corey as
1: Sheriff Bledsoe. He's great. But what about uh, Kenneth Mars as the – he's the marshal – Who's trying to like get a posse to go after Butch and Sundance? Oh while yeah. Butch and Sundance are uh, Sundance are up in the brothel. Um, yeah, Kenneth Mars, who um, I I believe was I in Young Young Frankenstein. I I believe so with Cloris Leachman as well. But also our fellow Wait. police academy fans would know yeah. Kenneth Mars as the mayor in Police Academy right. Six: City Under Siege. City Under Siege. Uh yeah, so um he
0: was King Triton in The Little Mermaid, the voice of King Triton. Who um, oh, is he now? Yeah, according to Wikipedia. Oh, so, well, Wikipedia is uh,
1: never wrong. I mean, about well, oh, this, probably. Not. I, I'm pretty
0: sure that that's a verifiable <laughs> yeah. fact. I'm not worried about Wikipedia bluffing on this one. No, That'd no, be no, a no, weird Ken, lie to tell. I, I,
1: Kenneth Kenneth Mars is also Franz Liebkin in like the original film of the producers, right? Yes, yeah, uh, and so yes, you're you're talking about the scene where he's
0: trying to get a posse together, and he's like, "All right, does who here has guns?" And like, no one raises their hands, and he's yeah. like, "All right, who, does any who wants to be issued a gun?" No one answers, and then he's like, "Aren't you outraged?" And this one guy's like, comes up on the stage, and he's like. I'm outraged, and I can't blah 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 blah. But he's really just using it as opportunity to sell this new invention—the bicycle—that he's trying to trying to sell the people. And he's just like, "Hey, you got the audience together. I'm going to take advantage of this." It was so funny. That's and so that's really... where the bicycle comes in for this uh, this famous bicycle scene with uh, Paul Newman and Catherine Ross, and uh, and some some raindrops that are falling on people's heads.
1: Yeah, you know, John, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, Actually, hold on. The one other person I want to point out, only because he's, i like, you see this guy and you hear this guy and you recognize him from Blazing Saddles if you've seen it, George Firth. Who, uh, also known as the, like the librettist oh, yeah. of, of like Company and Merrily We Roll Along, uh, who, who plays Woodcock, the the guy who's like guarding the money on the train, and who keeps saying, who keeps, "Oh yeah, he was really funny. Oh, he he's great." But as soon as you see him and hear him, you'll remember him as one of the townspeople from Blazing Saddles. He's the one who like right. keeps echoing. that's right. Will write the governor for a new sheriff. <laughs> yeah, you know
0: he's got uh, a really fantastic filmography. His final one being Bullworth, uh, believe it or oh, not. Oh no, shit! I yeah, love absolutely. Uh, as as older man, um, but then there's no, things in there sense. like Cannonball Run and Hooper and uh, Oh God. Um, we also have yeah. Shampoo, a sleeper. Um, yeah, he's just been in like all these. Kind of classic movies, a lot of really funny stuff too. So yeah, uh, that's a, thanks for pointing that out. But yeah, that's uh he's a, he's, a,
1: he's a lot of fun. And all due respect um, to the to the rest of the cast, but I am now done oh, of course. with my you know, cast shout outs.
0: Yeah. And um well, I also, you know, I really wanted to shout out the the sheriff who they come and visit and he Sheriff Bledsoe, played by um, Jeff Corey. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they, he sees them and he's like, oh, geez, like he knows that they're going to tie him up. So he (laughs) essentially ties himself up for them. (laughs) It's so good. But and that, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, say like there's just these notorious villains where it's like, you know, they're going to win. So you may as well just play along and you can say whatever you want to them, but the fact is you can do it the easy way or the hard way. And we're at a point in their careers as thieves where people just do it the easy way and they tie themselves up yeah. for them.
1: Yeah. Um. And it brings me back to saying that like this is me. I mean, is it the first buddy movie? Because it even has like it, it like Tango. It's the type of thing that like happens with Tango and Cash. It feels so similar to that sometimes, uh huh. Like a, yeah, like a ta- like particularly tango and cash for some reason is what I keep thinking of. Yeah,
0: but tango. Well, I will say tango and cash is a little different in the sense that like they don't get
1: along. Well, they're they're forced to be they're they're put together. They eventually get right. along, but but I'm like that type. Of, I mean, lethal weapons the same way, right? And like at first they don't get along, and then you know five movies later, one of them's a Nazi, and then there's Danny Glover, and then there's Who's, Danny Glover. I mean, man, Danny Glover is so awesome. He like m- almost makes up for Mel Gibson being. a- Yeah, it's like
0: ah, well, I, I guess I could watch it just for the Danny Glover of it all.
1: Yeah, and then the Joe Pesci of it all. Oh, abso- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, but yeah. that's not what we're, t- but it, it has the feel. It feels more like a buddy film than oh, a traditional Western, like you were saying, like a good, the bad and the ugly. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's,
0: it's really fun. And I mean, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, uh, they're just so amazing. They're, they're looking like they're having the time of their life. Uh, like we were saying before, they've got the stamina of, of a bull. It's amazing. Well, this movie is paced exquisitely. <laughs> it, even to the point where a like four-minute sequence of riding a bicycle in funny ways with a, a contemporary song... You know, like, doesn't take you out of it at all.
1: I, I, <laughs> you're right. I, I yeah. have no idea how or why. Because I, every time I watch this movie, and I don't, I, this might be maybe the fourth or fifth time mm-hmm. I've I've seen it. Um, I, I mean, I always get to that sequence and I'm like, what's, like, just... Is it, we're in the sixties and it, it also to me feels, I think this time around it, I, I was able to pinpoint a little better what about it feels off to me. And it brings me back to the beginning of the movie where you see it's set up like a, like a silent film, like the very early days of cinema, this silent film about butch cassidy and the sundance kid being right ch- and the hole in the wall gang is are uh as they call them in this because y- right you didn't want to couldn't get it confused with the movie the wild bunch, the wild but, bunch. which was right. what yeah. they were called the,
0: hole um, in the wall
1: gang right i i called them the wild bunch in the synopsis but yeah i yeah i mean but that's that was like the real name yeah. uh they just had to change it for the movie but it um it sets it up so that you know. Okay, this is a um a retelling of the story. It's a yeah fictionalized version. It it sets it up, and there are there are even those couple of interludes, like the New York sequence, where they oh have. Oh my goodness! Which that is to me that was like that was awesome because it had the old-timey music and yeah. the photos and it didn't feel like oh, don't forget it's the 60s yeah well i think that there was a lot of uh
0: a, a lot going on with the the direction of george roy hill and you know if you look at his filmography it's not you know it's a lot of like musicals um or you know uh adaptations of of Theatrical performances, uh, like stage plays and stuff, and I think that there's a lot of influence just coming from the you know the the changing pace of filmmaking in the '60s, where you know in the earlier '60s. It, you know, you were seeing a lot more of these just like movie musicals and more traditional type of, of films. And then, uh, I okay, I, I should rephrase that because traditional to me means what was current then. But, you know, you see a lot of these things where it was just like, oh, this is a nice story in, in a lot of ways. There were some exceptions. But I will say that like towards the end of the 60s, that's when things started getting really experimental um, and people were playing with form a lot more. And I could just see this as, you know, George Roy Hill's experience of just trying to step out of his comfort zone a little bit and do something a little bit different and put in a four minute, you know, music video, and then put in this whole well, long I, sequence of still photos with music with nothing else. And it's just like, you get everything. But I, lo- I love I And you that. enjoy it.
1: I love like I love that sequence because it actually did like it told the story It was like, hey, and then Butch Sundance and Etta were in New York for for a little while before they shipped off to Bolivia. And it like they could it, have done they could have done that, though,
0: with like 10 percent of the amount of material that they actually used. But the fact that they
1: went for it is, yes. it, you know, it yes. sets
0: it as it sets it apart
1: but i would have preferred that in place of raindrops keep falling on my head now that said i was so i'm so glad that you you know mentioned it as a music video uh as that's the thing that you helped.
0: said that the on the last episode
1: oh right 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 yes yeah. um so as i was watching it i began to wonder is this what they're spoofing in the naked gun Like in (laughs) some, at least in some small way, in the Naked Gun, were they consciously spoofing when they do the uh, you know, something tells me I'm into something good sequence. When like I mean I don't know, then a Naked Gun movie spoofing something, I just don't see it. I know it would be like, (laughs) uh, but I just yeah, I mean, come on. We're talking about Jerry Zucker, the director of Ghost, an Academy Award-nominated film <laughs> for Best Picture. An Academy Award-winning film, mind you, for the right. Supporting Actress.
0: Well, so, okay. There's something else that I do want to talk about with this raindrops keep falling on my head sequence. Uh, so this sets up the dynamic between Butch and Etta. And... At this point we already know that Edda and Sundance are together in a you know, we find out in a scene where you're just like you're holding your breath and so nervous that oh no is is Sundance a real skis ball. And then it is revealed that like, Oh no, 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 This is just a thing that they do. There's uh, this was
1: your first time seeing this it, is right? my first time. seeing. Yeah. it, Yeah. So yeah.
0: there's this whole thing where like, he's waiting for her in the darkness and they have, you know, and, and she comes in and she's all startled and he's just like, take your clothes off. And like, he makes her strip and then he kind of goes up to her and she's just like, I just have one question what took you so long? And then, and it's just like, Oh, thank God.
1: (laughs) It's a great, uh, it's a, it's a really great great moment. Um, It's a great moment.
0: So, uh, but, but going back to Butch and Etta, you know, they have this conversation where it's just the two of them. And it's just like, you know, they're talking about how they feel about each other. And he asks her like, if you would have met me first, would we be together? And she's like, yeah, but, you know, I didn't. And, you know, and I felt like that was setting us up for some sort of conflict or like something that was going to come up later on where, you know, there's, you know, Sundance gets mad at Butch because of something having to do with Edda or something like that. And yeah. uh, nothing like that ever happened. And I felt like, well, what is the purpose of Butch and Etta having romantic feelings for one another that must be unrequited if there's not going to be any sort of resolution. Like, can't they just... Can't a guy and a lady just be friends? Does it have to always come down to
1: a relationship thing? Say so anyway. When Butch met Etta?
0: Yeah, right. The the, the age-old like, question of, can a man and woman really just be friends? Yeah. So... um. Anyway, I, I was expecting a little something extra with that, um, creating some sort of conflict between the two, but you never really get any conflict between the two of them. Uh, anything that you do gets kind of mild uh, and, and resolved pretty quickly. You right. Know, they get they get a little antsy with each other, but There's it's tension. certainly nothing
1: serious. Right. Yeah. It's it's, it's buddy movie tension. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, absolutely because also like Sundance is much more serious uh he's much more serious he's much more f- focused uh you know he's the one who who remains wary when they're on the run from uh as they discover this like renowned tracker Lord Baltimore and the the bounty hunter uh and I did you enjoy that there yeah okay.
0: <laughs> so dan i don't know the answer to this question is the character LaFour's from mall rats named after LaFour's in and butch cassidy and the sundance kid the hat he wears the same I, hat <laughs> i completely forgot about the hat the like yeah
1: the white hat that in i mall don't rats remember that wears- the like the white, yeah, straw hat. It is absolutely, and you know what's funny is it. Occur- I, I I remember when I was watching it, I thought to myself, I was like, I'm pretty sure John's never seen this before, and I'm like, <laughs> I know he's gonna like get that. Yeah, and- he, I'm looking at it. Yep, he wears that hat. Yeah, amazing, absolutely. Lafour's, uh, Kevin Smith definitely based Lafour's and Mall on, uh. LaFour's in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, I love
0: that. Uh, you know, it's it's fun when you can watch a movie from nineteen sixty-nine that you never seen before, and then it makes you think about a a movie from What Year did Mallrats come out like 96? 95. 95, uh where and, and that I haven't seen in the longest time,
1: and I'm like Isn't that the guy from Mallrats? I haven't seen Mallrats in ages. Yeah, but how many times did you watch it back in the day? Oh, a zillion times. Right, exactly. It's implanted, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, another, like, that's another great thing about this movie. It's just so, it's so iconic that, you know, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, it's, it's, you know, beyond doubt, that that Kevin Smith <laughs> based LaFour's on LaFour's. Oh.
0: Yeah, it's it's just funny that like I I hadn't even considered the fact that like a character from a you know Mallrats would have been sp- specifically named after this, and it's well, like I never yeah. considered
1: that it was a reference to something else. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. Because if you've... And I'm pretty sure that the first time I saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was... uh, Was it before I saw... I'm pretty sure it was after I saw Mallrats for the first time. Mm, Okay. Because... And it, it seems unlikely because I would have seen because Mallrats came out when I was in college and I feel like I saw Butch Cassidy when I was in high school but I also feel like every time I've seen this movie I've recognized LaFors as being the LaFour's from Mallrats and not like I didn't have the other way around it wasn't like the first time I saw Mallrats I was like oh from Butch Cassidy yeah so anyway point made LaFour's is (laughs) LaFour's. The fours is the fours that's
0: right so uh Dan so you said that you think that you saw this in high school
1: it feels like the type of movie that like I would have borrowed it from uh a poor one out Mr. Roberts uh, oh Ed Roberts who if you are a if you're a film buff in high school, and like you see Ed Roberts's classroom his door like laminated with little like cut out images from movie posters and stills and things like that and then his the walls of his classroom just covered yeah. with just posters and he's all oh, shit everywhere and he had this amazing I've talked about it on here before his VHS collection that you that he like, had everything cataloged. Yeah. Oh yeah, I still have the catalog. Amazing. And like, yeah, I borrowed so many movies from him. So it, it feels like it's one of the movies I would have borrowed from him, but I don't think I saw it until like I was in later college. I definitely okay. saw it for the first time on VHS or I possibly like just on like cable, like on Turner Classic movies. Yeah, or something like that. But I know I had a like I had a taped off TV but no commercials uh copy of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm. So, it was it must have been from like TCM. Yeah, or 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 like Fox Movies. Right. And one of yeah. those. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and this was your your first this time. This is my was, first time, yeah.
0: and it was, I you know, I, I had a feeling that I was going to enjoy it because I love Paul Newman. I love Robert Redford. Like worst case, I'm watching a Paul Newman and Robert Redford movie. You know, like that's kind yeah. of how I feel about either one of them. Like I don't think that there's a single movie that either one of them are starring in that I would watch and be like, "Yeah, there's just nothing I liked about this." Those two are amazing and they're clearly amazing together as we know they work together again on the sting. Another yep. George Roy Hill yep. uh in production.
1: One of my and, one of my favorites, one of my all-time favorites.
0: Yeah, and, and even uh and Paul Newman even went on to work with him again in Slapshot. I you know, it's just one of those things that uh I always notice about directors and it's like when the actors work with them together again and again, like you have to believe that they had just had a fantastic time um on the set of like the first one, and you know this one they're they're clearly on location at least most of the time probably in uh in Wyoming or wherever like some of those some of those scenes just look so beautiful uh I mean, I'm sure that some of it was backlot stuff, but yeah, there was a lot of it yeah. that just looked absolutely amazing and uh, I don't know. the Just the chemistry between those two. Uh, it's really infectious. I loved watching it. Even the moments where you're just like, what are they doing here? Like, you know, <laughs> some of those moments where it's just like, here we go. Like, I am on board for this movie. I will enjoy whatever they got. And, um, you know, I, I'd say this is a spoiler. This is a movie that, you know, a lot of people probably know about um, how it ends. And I think that for a lot of the time, I was just thinking, it's just like, all right, you know, when is that going to happen? And yeah.
1: Well, because it's a movie that never, it, it really hardly stops. Like raindrops keep falling on my head is when it's like, that's, they're on the run and like you, you referred to it in the synopsis as like an extent, this extended chase. And it's I, yeah. something I liked about it. It it was like, like, yes, it probably should feel like this feels right that yeah. like they're kind of like they keep running and stopping and they're running again that this is going on and on. And like this is the life that they live. This is the life they've chosen. So it, it makes that point, especially because of how, uh, not like nonchalantly they take it, though Butch certainly seems to take things a little bit more in stride. Yeah. But it really, it keeps going, but it builds. And it's kind of like this, you know, if you think about, I don't know, I, I think about a train and you think about a train really picking up and like, you know, starting out slow, but it keeps moving. It's always moving. And eventually it's, you know, barreling. And that's, yeah. you know, what happens when they get to Bolivia and then uh, there's no slow in that train down. It's a full stop.
0: Right. I know. Yeah. So, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about what ended up happening in terms of, you know, what we talk about that on the show, which is like, you know, how to keep a uh, property alive with a, a sequel or a prequel or so on and so forth. And this had a a prequel, uh, Butch and Sundance the Early Days and uh or as Death and Bogus Journey would yeah. call it, the the early years. Um I, and, oh, that's it, what
1: I always always yeah. think of
0: and and it's got you know Tom Berenger as uh as Butch and it's got William Cat as Sundance and uh, I believe that Jeff Corey reprises his role as Sheriff Bledsoe um we got Peter Weller as uh LaFors um yeah RoboCop and, and himself yeah <laughs> uh
1: so I think that Lloyd there's... is in oh Brian Dennehy's in it awesome
0: yeah, and I I haven't watched it. I watched like the trailer, and I was like, okay, Tom Berenger's doing his his best effort. Uh, I I feel like William Cat seems feels a
1: little miscast. Dan, why is your jaw dropped? Because I'm looking at the cast, and I can't believe my eyes. Because I somewhat doubt that any of the characters in this are Russian, but yet there is Elia Baskin. known as the Russian guy you see in every movie that has Russian guys in TV shows, the Americans, and he's playing a bookkeeper in this. And I wonder if, if like, I'm like, is, is is this guy not even Russian? No, he's Russian. Yeah, I know. But ser- anyway, yeah. it actually that that makes me want to watch this more than anything else. That and Vincent Chiavelli is in it as a guard. Vincent
0: Chiavelli, yeah. Uh it's funny. Um so I'm I'm just looking at some of the stuff on uh, Wikipedia for butching Sundance, the early days. Does William Cat had recently made First Love and was being called a young Robert Redford, so ended up being cast as Sundance, which is so funny. Like watching the tr- just the trailer, it's just like no, he's not a young Robert Redford. Uh, Tom Berenger's is a, a more convincing, at least I think. Uh, Paul Newman, but <laughs> I think that this is a little too similar, and, and you know, it's making me think about—is um, it Dumb and Dumberer, the uh, the prequel to Dumb and Dumber, where it's like, oh, when Harry these- met Lloyd. Is it when Harry met Lloyd? Yeah. And so, and it's, uh, or Dumb and Dumber 2 when Harry met Lloyd? Is that what it was? But it was, uh, yeah. But it was, but it's like, you know, these actors that are doing impressions of performances of other actors and they're, and it's kind of like you're trapped because, you know, these actors give these iconic performances and you don't have as much of, as much liberty to kind of bring something new to it. And, I, I don't know, like, I, I understand, Dan, why you're why you'd be interested in watching this to see the like, <laughs> Brian Dennehy, Peter Weller, Christopher Lloyd, you know, Vincent Shivelli of it all. But I don't know if I'd be able to get past the Tom Berenger and William Cat of it all.
1: I, well, yeah. And I mean, both Tom Berenger and William Cat, by the way, are like. You know, excellent actors have given phenomenal performances in films where they were cast well. Uh, yeah. you know, and just look at 1986, where you have Manhunter and Platoon, yeah, you know, for example. But, uh, yeah, th- that's so that's where we are is it's like, what do you do with it's like. You've got a true well, story,
0: yeah, you know, and that's the thing is like we don't really we don't really talk about too many like movies that are based on reality. We don't do like biopics or anything like that so much. I, I'm sure we have at some point, but this is uh I don't know, this is one that's so specific where it's like not only like okay, we don't know what Butch and Sundance were like personality wise exactly, but it probably wasn't the way that, you know, Paul Newman and Robert Redford played them, right but, right, but they played them in such a specific way that it's like, what really can you do? And, um, you know, we certainly uh, unfortunately can't do anything with the with them now. Um, you know, Paul Newman passed away. Quite some time ago, um, Robert Redford's still out there doing his thing, which is great. Um, but you know, it's I and I'm just gonna kind of launch into it. I think that a comic book series is the way to go in my mind, where it's like, yes. you know, a or like a graph graphic novels or something, because you'd be you'd be able to kind of capture the essence of the performances from Robert Redford and Paul Newman without having to like really fake it, you know, you can kind of bring in the style. And if somebody has you need a good seen, writer, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. if somebody has seen the movies, then they can put the, you know, the, the idiosyncrasies into their minds behind what's being drawn and what's being written. But if you haven't, then I'm sure that you can form formulate your own kind of idea of what their personalities were or like in the in the ways that they're not written or drawn. So for me, it would it would be a series of graphic novels or comic books.
1: Wow, yeah, I really like that. Thank um, you. I I really I really <laughs> I I I don't have anything that I like better than that. Uh, <laughs> it's not a competition. I mean, no, no, no. I was thinking about well, I was thinking about like a video. I was thinking about like a video game and. And thinking about, I mean, you know, the the possibilities in being able to play it. I mean, like, I know there's, you know, Red Dead Redemption is, you know, really popular Western title. But, uh, you know, to have some type of game... Uh, with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and and the Hole in the Wall Gang or or Wild Gang, whatever you Wild Boys, if you want to get the Duran Duran song, um, <laughs> you know I, it's not as interesting as this, and I don't think it works. I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, there's enough in it. I was like, you could, I I would be interesting. I would be interested to see how like a very creative theatrical artist would, would like mount a a stage adaptation of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. Mm. And I don't know, but I don't, I that's again, I don't know if that's something that works like a Western translated uh, to the stage, you know, why
0: it'd be hard to do. uh, What's the point? The scenery and trains and stuff like that. Uh, You know, Dan, I have a question for you. Okay.
1: What is today's date that we are recording this? Oh, why, today's Monday, September 26th, 2022. Today is the
0: 14th anniversary of Paul Newman's passing.
1: Oh, and we had no idea. All right. Poor. But Dan, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pour them all out. Pour them all out for Mr. Paul Newman.
0: Pour out some Newman's own salad dressing. Uh, yeah. Dan, I also asked you that question because uh, September 15th, 2022 wasn't that long ago, correct? True. Okay, so September 15th, 2022 is when the news drops that uh, there is going to be a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid inspired series at Amazon. <laughs> Um, and I, I don't know, uh, there's who my, these, idea. <laughs> I don't know who these guys are. Roger, Jean page and Glenn Powell are set to star in a series inspired by Butch Cassidy and the Sunday's get for Amazon. The streamer has handed the untitled project to a straight to series order. It comes from Joe and Anthony Russo's AGBO deals are not yet done. Uh, this is how like new this is, uh, Bridgerton star page. Oh, that guy. Uh, who starred in Russo's The Gray Man is expected to play Butch Cassidy with Top Gun Maverick star uh, set to play the Sundance Kid in the series, which is reportedly set in an alternate America, which makes sense because Paige is, um, I don't know, African-American or I don't, I'm not sure exactly. Um, the Russo's will exec-produce with uh, Kaz and Ryan Furpo writing the script and exec-producing along with Paige and Powell. Okay. Uh, okay. I I this is just interesting information, Dan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I I feel like there's all of the it, it's just like It's hard For me, because I feel like a lot of these stars and like all due respect to to them, because for the most part, I'm not familiar with their work and their their acting. But they it just feels like a a cookie cutter, like who's that person this year that we're putting in these things? Okay. And it just, it's, it's hard to see because Paul Newman and Robert, it's like, I just feel like there's no star, there's no stars anymore. I feel, I'm turning into a Martin Short character. Uh, Well, okay.
0: Uh, I am going to reserve judgment. And when this series, if this series comes out, because it's so fresh in the news, if this series comes out, I will... Watch at least the first episode and report back, because oh, I,
1: I don't. I don't want to. Because look, I don't know these guys. Um, no, I'm f- no. That's not what. That's not what my my complaint is. Is not. It's just. It, it feels like we don't like commit. We don't like. there's we don't like build stars. Like I feel like I don't know. I want the because Redford was relatively. Knew. He wasn't, like, unknown when they did it, yeah. but... Uh, so, uh, no, it, it, it's just... I, I don't know. I, I guess it just feels like there's a lack of... the. Uh, yeah, I'm going to reserve judgment. Sorry. Well, um, okay. I think that we're getting into a, a different
0: discussion right now because I think that a lot of... At least what I'm hearing, and it might not be exactly what you're saying, but it sounds to me... Like, what you're saying is that the the idea of, you know, actors being kind of a bigger presence and, like, kind of having a, a stronger identity in who they are in their roles um, ha- has changed quite a bit. Is that something along the lines of what you're saying? It sounds like it. Okay, fair enough. So something that you also have to remember is that, like, you know— Film has only been around 100 years. And in the 60s, you certainly had a much smaller uh, sample size of, you know, productions being made and actors who were being put into them. You know, you were. Still in a lot of the studio system uh, uh, mentality, um, where it's just like, yes, here are our people. Let's put this person in this and put that person in that. I think that, yes, like in this era in the '60s is when we really start seeing, you know, a lot of these stars coming out and kind of having a little bit more say in the things that they're able to do in these films. And then, you know, now we we have everything. We have so many different ways that you can make and show movies we've and got consume and, and and consume we have yeah. so many streaming services that are also producing their own content and it's way harder to stand out. Uh and honestly a lot of it is because of money because it's like okay who can I get that's going to be a big enough draw that I can still afford and then also it's just like well who has this many uh Instagram and TikTok followers so that we're able to promote this movie and make back our, you know, our budget. And yes, of course, you know, movies have been, you know, financially driven for a long time. And yes, there are still movies that have uh, a higher priority on the creative side of things, especially when you get to more independent films. But It is a lot harder to really nurture kind of the young stars who not only are there because they're popular, but are there because they're also very talented. And so that's where you have your Paul Newmans and your Robert Redfords, where they're just immensely talented, but they're also magnetic. Like, there's something about them when they're on screen where you just like, you know can't help yourself, but pay attention to every single thing that they're doing. Even in a movie that's slower or maybe that, uh, you know, doesn't, maybe that has a weird music video sequence to weird song and they're on a bicycle and there's no (laughs) point to anything. It's like, I don't care. I'm going to watch this because it's like, I can't stop watching this guy.
1: Well, yeah, no. And you make a good point about there not being – as many as many venues for for the dan, production have... of content
0: oh dan i couldn't hear you froze i couldn't hear a thing that you said
1: oh you're frozen right now but i can hear what you're saying oh weird so uh so i'm going to speak again i will Go say what it. i what i have just said and and it is that you make a good point that in the 1960s You don't have as many ways to produce content. Uh, There are not as as many places that are producing content. There are not as many venues for content. And not to mention, like, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, Paul Newman, I'm sure, like, did lots of TV gigs before he became a huge star. But then it's kind of like, if you want to go see the new Paul Newman movie, you need to go to the movie theater. And you go and and like these people had to look amazing on a huge screen, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and just thinking
0: about the way that things are today, and and some people, some actors who maybe had have like a similar thing going as like Robert Redford or Paul Newman did. And I'm thinking of people like Ryan Gosling, you know, they're people who have, um you know, start in these these major huge movies and uh, people go and see them and, and, know you know, because of that person or whatever. But nowadays they also, like Ryan Gosling, like will appear in a, a Netflix movie that uh, like, I don't know, is maybe a little less than watchable. Um, you know, right. it's funny, like, you know, they'll they'll get into these situations where they're, they're part of these other projects that for one reason or another aren't, you know, at the same level as the other things that they're doing. And not to knock Netflix productions because they do some amazing things, but like, you know, there are certain ones where it's just like they've put a lot of their eggs in this one basket and they've got a lot of star power in it, but it's just, you know, not all that Great. And and, oh, well, and and somebody and somebody who has that star power like him, like even
1: that can't save it. Right. And I think and and I think that they kind of are like, all right, we know that we are going to get X number of hits on these movies because of the algorithms and, you know, these people being involved in it. So this is what the math tells us. I There's not as much of a concerning quality where i mean whereas like netflix just netflix being the example but i think it really applies to all of these streaming venues you know it's not like they're they don't put out quality work it's just kind of where they are focusing that quality and where they're focusing i i feel like it's like they're invest a lot of it is investment in um you know uh content creators and, you know, like, um, ah, like Adam McKay's last movie, Don't Look Up, was right. a Netflix yeah. movie, you know, and Adam McKay directed, who who is, I mean, on top of, you know, the Will Ferrell comedies, you don't look at the big short and Vice, and Vice. like just some of right. the best, you know, satire, like, you know, reality based films and satires. Of, in recent well, memory. and
0: also in in don't look up, you know, and and it's not that a lot, it's not that everybody loved this one. I enjoyed it, I liked it, but you have Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, you have you know Jonah Hill, you have some of the 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 great actors of our generation. And I do include Jonah Hill in that. He's you know oh well, aside like from, from
1: two time <laughs> Academy Award number? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I you think, know, I I think yeah. that it's it's. Sometimes you have to remember like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's also awesome aside from
1: being a goofball. But, um, yeah, no, it's like – That's what I'm talking about. You talk about a cast like that and it's like there was a – I'm going to sound like Grumpy Old Man. But, like, there was, you know, a time where it's like that would have been the premiere magazine cover like the end of the year because that would have been the big movie coming out at Christmas. And it's like, oh, my – all of the stars, all to Streep, DiCaprio, Lawrence, all of these amazing. Who, uh, who isn't, uh, uh, uh is Chiwetel, uh, a uh, in that as well? Um, I don't remember. Is it, I maybe I'm, uh, but you, you also yeah, have, Hill, um, yeah, uh, Kate
0: Blanchett. It, right. You know, um, it's it's amazing. Oh, uh, oh uh, Tyler Perry. Uh, Tyler Perry. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but also with Netflix last year, you also had The Power of the Dog, which was uh-huh. like, you know, clearly one of the best movies oh, of very the year. Prestige.
1: Oh, Chalamet. Chalamet is in. Chalamet. Is Jennifer
0: in it. Lawrence. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I that mean. Was
0: quite, that was quite the last. But Power of the Dog, you know, uh, that was another Netflix production that was just like, oh, no, 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 no. this is like the, one of the best movies of the year. Prestige. Easy. Yeah. A and so uh, yeah. yeah and uh anyway i i you know i know that we went off into a whole big thing but i think that also uh we're very lucky that paul newman and robert redford decided to become actors at the time that they decided to become actors because they could easily if they were born in a different generation if they were born you know uh in the if they were born in the seventies, then who knows if now they would have had, you know, the same type of uh magnetism as they did when the um the sample pool was a lot smaller. Plus also how many people emulated their careers after those two guys. Oh I mean, well it. <laughs> it brings us back to there we go, Clooney and Pitt. <laughs> Clooney and Pitt, yeah. And and we're lucky for it. You know, yeah. um uh, they they haven't Each had, you know, the most uh, amazing successes, but you know, they're they're beloved for a lot of the. Well, they've each had amazing successes,
1: but you know, not all of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, anyway, we've been doing we've been doing some ranting on this one.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's okay. It all comes back because it it all it, it comes back to when you watch a movie like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And you, you really are just like, man. I wish I could just go to my local cinema and like buy popcorn and sit and like spend an afternoon watching this movie. Yeah. And it, or like, (laughs) there's not an or something like it. It's, you know, it. Those opportunities are few and far between. Frozen. Am I unfrozen now? Okay. Now you're there. It's not like there's what. It's not like there's a, like regular opportunities to to do that. They're few and far between, and you really have to you know be on the lookout when something like uh like Butch casting and the Sundance Kid is is going to be sc- screening somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it, it's just you know it's it's something it's another thing I I envy about. You know, living in those times, and you know, living in a time when you could just go out on on a rainy Sunday afternoon, and like buy buy a ticket for like two bucks. <laughs> and Dan, you just sounded a little bit like Mitch Cohen. <laughs> anyway, Dan, what are and we going to talk about the on our next episode? And the popcorn. Uh, so the next episode, we are going to be talking about baseball because, hey, it's it's the fall. Baseball season is is winding down, so it's a good time to take a look at a baseball movie. And we will be watching The Natural from nineteen eighty four, starring With Robert Redford. Robert Weird. Redford. Ah, interesting. And Mm. Wilford fucking Brimley. Hell yeah. Kim Basinger, Glenn Close. I'm sure there's other people. Directed by Barry Levinson.
0: (laughs) I'm sure there's other people. There's
1: there's other people in (laughs) the movie. Wow, Dan, what a a daring bet you just made. (laughs) What what you don't know is that I'm just rattling the names off the top of my head. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Uh, of course. So, like, I'm not, I'm not just disregarding everybody else, uh, who, well, who is in the, Robert the Duvall, Robert Duvall. oh him, yes, <laughs> Robert, Robert Prosky.
0: Speaking Robert- of uh, famous Roberts,
1: oh yeah, yeah, Michael Duval. Madsen, no shit, and Michael just Madsen. because
0: I want to say it,
1: Alan Fudge, Alan Fudge, uh, you know what they say. I don't know. Alan Fudge. You know what they say. Around the corner,
0: that's where you can find Alan (laughs) Fudge. Well, Dan, as you are on the run from LaFour's, I wish you a good journey. Good journey.